The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Home Alone, where we're going to discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings of this classic Christmas movie. And joining me today on the panel are Mike Denz. Hey, Mike. Hey, Dom. Good to be here. And Andrew Hermes. Hey, Andrew. It's a pleasure. Uh, folks, I want to remind you to follow The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, in your favorite podcaster app, or you can find us on YouTube, where you should also hit the bell to get notifications, youtube.com slash StarQuest Media. I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy called PlayStation Portable. It is a prayer uh, podcast of the Divine Office, also known as the Liturgy of the Hours, and you can get that. It's one of the oldest Catholic prayer podcasts on in anywhere on the internet in the world. So, I mean, it's a podcast. So in the known universe, in the known existence (laughs) of humanity, it is one of the oldest. All right. Before we get into our discussion, first, I want to mention this is the 100th episode of secrets of movies and TV shows. So I'm very happy that, that this has occurred with this movie because it's kind of a fun, nice movie for Christmas. It's all worked out really well. Um, And then I want to get into some listener feedback on our last episode. Last time, Mike and Shelly Kelly and I talked about another Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life. And we got some feedback from Bethany, who sent in this email. She said, I deeply enjoyed your recent podcast episode on It's a Wonderful Life. It is my favorite Christmas movie and, like you, one of my favorite movies across all genres. Every year, my dad and I watch this together. It's a tradition going back before I can remember. And every year, we both weep. For me, the waterworks usually begins when George declares, That's a lie! Harry barely went to war! That's that's my Jimmy Stewart, by the way, just so you know. (laughs) Not bad. That wasn't clear. Who the heck was that? (laughs) (laughs) And then the crying just escalates until the end of the film. I've seen It's a Wonderful Life so many times that I didn't think I could learn anything new about it. But Mike's argument that it is the greatest pro-life movie, really struck me. I've never looked at it in that way before, and now I have another reason to love the film even more. So there you go, Mike. And she she adds, as a side note, my husband, coincidentally named George, watches the movie with me from time to time, and after many viewings, I noticed a small tear roll down his cheek. Never have I ever seen my husband cry. Not at our wedding, the birth of our children, at the funerals of dearly loved family members. I was so surprised that I asked him, why now? Since he'd seen it so many times before. And he explained that it was something about being a father that made him watch the movie in a different way. This did nothing to slow my already steady weeping. Thank you so much for the episode. I'm a faithful listener to Secrets as well as Mysterious World. Keep up the amazing work. Well, thank you, Bethany. That was a fantastic email, and what a great response. I, I love to hear it. I'm glad to influence uh, a movie that was already, obviously, already very important. So, uh, <laughs> thank you for saying that. Very good. Very good. Okay, so we're talking about Home Alone, this 1990 
a movie that uh, came out um, by John Hughes, directed by Chris Columbus. Um, it It's a classic sort of late 80s movie. It came out in 1990, but it was a sort of an 80s movie. Let's give a quick recap of what happens. I mean, if you don't know already, we're going to spoil the entire movie for you anyway, but let's recap anyway. The McAllister family is headed to Paris for Christmas, and the house the night before is pandemonium, with cousins and aunts and uncles and parents and kids everywhere. In the hubbub in the morning, after a power outage meant no alarm clocks, the youngest McAllister, Kevin, gets left behind. He manages to take care of himself, but when a pair of bumbling thieves targeting empty houses in the neighborhood meet their match in young Kevin, who outthinks, outwits, and outtraps them. Uh, the autocorrect changes to outstrips them. That didn't happen. That's a, not <laughs> this movie. Uh, it outtraps them at every turn until at last they have him. That's when the creepy old man who lives next door, who turned out to not be so creepy, but just lonely, comes to Kevin's rescue. Finally, Kevin's family, including his mom, who went through an epic journey to get back to him, return home just in time for Christmas. The end. So uh, the that's a brief recap of all the things that happened in this movie. But uh, so let's let's talk about this. So it came out in 1990. Mike Dens, uh, what do you remember about this movie? I can Usually when you do this, Dom, I, I have no idea when I first saw a movie that I see in the theater. <laughs> you know, I have no memory. This I do because um, I saw it with two of my good friends. Um, one was a friend from grade school. Another one was a friend uh, from Burger King, where I worked for about 10 years during my high school and college years. And uh, we went to see it. I remember seeing it on the left side of the theater, not knowing why they were dragging me to this movie because I didn't know anything about it. Um, and it was just so hilarious. Uh, yeah. I just remember we just thought this is so funny and we were, you know, enwrapped in it. I mean, like, you know, this, this kid's being left home alone. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and and it was happen? just like, what's going to happen? This, you know, yeah. there's, it was a great trope. It was just a great, like, let's just take this silly little premise. He, he's left at home and it's, you know, the situation of they're all the way in Paris before they realize and getting a flight home, you know, that it's not like they, you know, just drove a few hours or something. This is a, a major thing. He's going right. to be home for a while. And of course they just have it. They can't get back. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's what I remember uh, about it. And um, it was, I was 19 years old. I was just starting out college and uh, I was telling Dom uh, before we started recording that it was kind of like the last of those great eighties, John Hughes movies. Um, yes. uh, Hughes didn't direct it, but he did write and produce it. Um, but you know, with all the other ones, the, the, those of us who kind of came of age in the eighties, I graduated high school in 89, John Hughes was, you know, he provided the soundtrack and the, and the, and the visuals and the everything, you know, when it came yes. to entertainment for us, the John Hughes, Chicago teen <laughs> movies. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, how about you, Andrew? Oh man, this movie, uh, it's, it, it's very, it was very formative for me. I mean, I, I, I remember, I mean, God knows how long, how young I was when I first watched it. Um, it's a movie. It's one of those movies where it's like, as far back as I can remember, it's something I just watch every Christmas at the very least. And um, it, it changed the way, you know, for at a very young age, the way I looked at movies and what movies could be. Cause it's like, yeah, it's a Christmas movie. It's a comedy. It's, it's very obviously slapstick and, and a lot of, 
physical comedy uh, is involved in it. And um, it has like that brilliant, you know, John Williams score. Yep. That's just memorable. And, and, and uh, the movie would be, would not be the same without it. Um, and obviously a great uh, child actor performance by Macaulay Culkin. Yep. Um, but I mean, it's also a home invasion movie. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's scary. I mean, I remember as a kid being scared, obviously of the old, the old man, the, the, the sort of weird old recluse neighbor. Yep. Um, and, uh, obviously like just how, like the idea of, of like two dirty old thieves, you know, ransacking your house. And, and <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, just the thought of that obviously is scary. So it's, it's a unique movie in that way where like all these kind of, insane not realistic sort of things i mean first of all a, a family forgetting a child <laughs> halfway on the plane well, to paris well it's, i mean i guess <laughs> i guess i don't have uh i don't have like uh, six kids yet or whatever many kids the mccallisters have there's yeah, a whole um, episode of the bets that uh i think yeah, that I know, right? yeah, dom you could probably uh <laughs> this happened to me once but it, it wasn't to paris it was my, my mom left me behind in boston once when i was a kid Oh, that's right. And you've been yeah. there ever since. Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, well, no. <laughs> I mean, like in the city, we were in the suburbs. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll digress, but it's, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was such, it, there's hasn't really been a movie like it. I don't think you can replicate it. I mean, it, it replicated. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the sequel, I, yeah, obviously they tried many times. And, and, yep. and I would say, you know, there's an argument that every home invasion movie is is uh, after Home Alone was had to be inspired by it. Right. right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, you know, Home Alone 2, obviously, maybe we'll do a podcast on that one day. I, I love almost as much. I thought it was a great sequel. But other than that, it's 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 again, it was it was unique for its time. And and, and even now, it's something that 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 holds up very well, in, in my opinion. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's it makes me feel cozy. <laughs> warm and cozy and and uh it's one of those uh, christmas movies that I, I i love to revisit it's it's the one i love to revisit the most it's my favorite christmas movie ever um so yeah i just have nothing but fond memories with it and uh it's it's always a welcome sight when it happens to be on tv well well now with streaming uh you know i have to decide to watch it on disney plus but right. uh it, it's it's always a welcome sight um and i i can't say enough about it you know, it's it's nice to get your perspective as someone who grew up with it, because both Mike and I saw it as adults. But for you to experience it as a kid with, you know, the scary bits, that's which as I yeah. as you mentioned that, like I recognize, yeah, that that would have been scary for me as a kid. Like I was, you know, Mike and I are about the same age. So I was about the same age when we when I saw it. And I remember I don't remember a lot about the first time I watched it, except as I was telling you guys before, I was literally on the floor laughing during the invasion the home invasion part like it was <laughs> so funny and it's still i still laugh at, at it it's still hysterical uh and now i get to laugh at my kids laughing at it they think it's the, the craziest funniest thing ever uh and so it is it is great i mean it is such a funny movie you know and it's interesting i was looking at the john hughes oeuvre um and you know from the 1980s and he did like he wrote a lot of movies that you might not think of. He wrote Mr. Mom and National Lampoon's Vacation and European Vacation. But for his directing ones, like he uh, 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, Weird Science, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, um, Planes, Trains and Automobiles. She's having a baby. 
Uh, and Macaulay Culkin's first role with him was in Uncle Buck. I didn't realize that mm-hmm. was out like just the year before. So it's kind of funny to to see. Um, yeah, yeah. So you have the connections. There is a scene in Uncle Buck where uh, Macaulay Culkin's character is grilling the babysitter. Like, you yes. know, are you really yes. supposed to, who are you? And that was kind of the impetus for home alone. Uh, John Hughes kind of looked at that and also looked at Macaulay as, you know, he could really be something. And um, Columbus was directing uh, Chevy Chase, who's known to be difficult to work with in different <laughs> ways, uh, in uh, Christmas Vacation, another awesome classic kind of modern day mm-hmm. Christmas movie. And him and him and Chevy were just buttonheads and, and he just couldn't do it. And uh, that's when Hughes said, well, why don't you do uh, I have this other one I think you like. Um, and that was Home Alone. And that's how he got the first two Home Alone movies as director. Right. Yeah. So it's, uh, and, and um, yeah, so those are the two connections to those two movies, how Columbus got on to uh, direct uh, Home Alone and Macaulay uh, kind of like cut his teeth. And he, if you watch him in Uncle Buck, you can see a little bit of Kevin McAllister. Oh, yeah. A young Kevin McAllister <laughs> in there. It's almost this, like the same kid. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's kind of fascinating. Chris, this was, early Christopher Columbus. I mean, this he's one of the, Chris Columbus is one of the, the big Hollywood directors, you know, one of the most successful out there. I mean, he's not Spielberg, but he's up there and he's done some, he did, you know, Harry Potter, the first two Harry Potter movies, you know, uh, he's done some really successful movies, but this was, I mean, he did gremlins. Uh, well, he wrote gremlins. So he directed, this was um, his third movie that, major movie he directed adventures in babysitting heartbreak hotel and then this and this was really his breakout and um and the breakout from macaulay culkin like we mentioned um john candy was in this he was friends with uh john hughes and chris columbus and did his shooting in one day they did it in one tw- day he was available for one day so it took 23 hours to shoot it his scenes and he was paid 414 dollars he, scale scale yeah. basically yeah. in order to introduce because he was um uh friends with uh hughes and according to columbus he's all his dialogue was improvised like right. he just made it up on the spot he did it wasn't uh on the script so which is awesome. his character was kind of based on his trains planes and automobiles guy he was kind of like right. the same uh yeah. kind of goofy uh, like unaware of how like uh, sort of like funny annoying he is in the way he <laughs> And all his scenes are with O'Hara. Yes. And the two of them had a, a background in, in acting together. And um, and he died only uh, four years after the release of this movie on her birthday. Oh, and she yeah. gave a eulogy at his uh, at his funeral. So um, there was a, a nice little connection there between her yeah. and uh, Candy. What a loss. What a loss. What a oh, great, I know. He's a great comic character. Yeah. 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 So uh, also, let's look at the other members of the cast, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern as the Wet Bandits, uh, mm. <laughs> Marv and um, Harry. Oh, my gosh. I mean, inspired casting. Although they tried to get De Niro before Pesci, they got Pesci, which would have been a very different movie. Yeah, but still good. I yeah. mean, De Niro's been he, in funny movies. Oh, but yeah. It, it would have been funny. weird. Sure. It would have been hard for me to see him as being knocked around so much by you know i just yeah i don't know i know but i've never seen pesci do it either and pesci's been brutal in movies and here he's getting taken out by paint cans but yeah um and and stern uh left for a while and they brought in i forget the the guy the the guy from matlock is all i know of him um 
oh. who, was, who, who just didn't really have a good chemistry. Daniel Roebuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they got uh, Stern back. Yeah, John Lovitz was going to. Uh, was another one they were going to get for Harry as that well. That would have been hilarious. Yeah, Lovitz is pretty funny. Yeah, that yeah. that was at his peak. Yeah. Um, and then, like you mentioned, Catherine O'Hara and John Hurd as the parents, as mom and dad. Uh, the late John Hurd. The late John Hurd, that's right. Yeah. There, mm-hmm. there is a case that could be made that the villain in this movie is the dad. <laughs> I saw someone try to make the case because, <laughs> you know, just... He, he didn't stop when Uncle Frank was mean to Kevin. He didn't, you know, contradict him. He, you know, it just, it was kind of funny, this whole list of ways when they found out he was missing, like the dad wanted to go to the hotel at, once they got to Paris. He didn't like, can we just go to the hotel and just, you know, no, 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 we need to call now. Um, so so uh, what was the other, the other casting? Oh, Uncle Frank was written for Kelsey Grammer, uh, but he wasn't available. So that went to, uh, yeah. Gary Gary Bemin like was the uh, character actor mm-hmm. that you've seen in a million things. Um, mm-hmm. Kelsey Grammer, who had at this time had been on Cheers as um, Frasier Crane, and so he was sort of a villainous—not villain, but an unliked character. You know what I mean? Like pompous, arrogant. People love to hate. So that would have been good. So. Let's talk about the movie. So we have this opening scene and so we have this house and it's set in Chicago. And I I suppose Chicago is another part of the cast in a way. John Hughes made so many movies in Chicago. I mean, it's almost a uh, an era of Chicago movie making and this house, which is famous now. And in fact, it's a it's a tourist attraction. People go to see it, Um, although the interiors were shot in a makeshift studio they built in an abandoned school nearby, which is kind of interesting. That right. he was used for other things like Ferris Bueller's Day Off and stuff. And yeah. Breakfast Club. Yep. Breakfast yeah, Club. Breakfast Club, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so you have this house, this chaos in this house. I counted 11 kids in the house. I'm not <laughs> sure if that's if that was all of them, but uh, that was my count. So 11 kids between two families. This is again, this is like the late 80s, early 90s when families were a little bigger. Um, and, you know, you have four adults and you have Joe Pesci's character standing there in a police uniform. And it's a it's a bit of inspired, you know, burglary going on here where he's, you know, uh, he's dressing up as a cop to go door to door, kind you know, casing the place under the guise of making sure seeing who's going to be home and we'll watch your house for you while you're away you know, by, and then finding out who's not going to be home. So uh, that was pretty, uh, pretty clever. Um, a, a, a segue that is a stretch, I know. Yeah. Um, because I'm from Buffalo and the demographics in Chicago are similar to Buffalo with a sure. large Polish population. Well, Poland loves Home Alone. Um, it, ever since it came out, they, they watch it all the time. It's very highly rated as a Christmas movie. Air is really close to Christmas. Huh. Um, so it, it's interesting. I mean, I never looked at it as a Polish movie. I suppose maybe with a polka band. I don't know. Um, but it's a, it's <laughs> right. a, it's got a following in Poland. And when you mentioned Chicago, it reminded me of that. That it's a it's a popular movie. I'm assuming that it's dubbed in Polish or something. But uh, they really like it there. It wouldn't surprise me that if it was because it was right after the wall fell, and so Western movies were getting in there at that oh, time. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's so, a good point. Another yeah. thing to remember from our uh, early college, <laughs> late high school days. Hey, the wall fell down. Right. The, 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 the Iron Curtain came down in 1989, 1990. And so that, you know, they would have been getting these movies in there 
you know, mm-hmm. fresh. So yeah, that would, that would be why uh, part of it at least. Um, so we, we have, we're introduced to Kevin and at first Kevin is, is a brat. We don't, I mean, I don't really like Kevin at first. He's, I don't say at first he, for the a large part. Yeah. <laughs> he's a brat for a while. I mean, he's precocious <laughs> and rude to his parents, but everyone treats him as helpless too. So he's not treated very well either. Like the people in this family don't treat each other very well. Let's just put it that way. Uh, yeah. And it's a typical John Hughes kind of, uh, yeah. I mean, at least everyone was married and stuff. I mean, usually John Hughes films has, uh, you know, there's a one house or one parent household and everything. There's a lot of yeah. strife. But yeah. um, the the big, the most unbelievable part of me is 11 kids and they didn't get cheese only pizza. I mean, come <laughs> on. How could they not? How could nobody say we just got to get one, like at least a half a pizza well, that has only cheese? Well, most kids, that's all they want. I was under the impression that he was late to the table and got and, and everyone else got it first. Oh, OK. Yes, that's that's yes. more believable. That was much, my much more believable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and he's got several siblings, but the one that really stands out is his oldest brother, Buzz. And Buzz is gross and rude. <laughs> I mean, really, he's, he's just kind of a jerk. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and as a youngest brother, I I, I sympathize with Kevin. <laughs> Let's just put it that mm. way. Um, and he and like kids do, they tell this tale about their neighbor, old man Marley, which I love that they picked Marley. It's a Christmas Carol uh, name. And uh, the poor old man who's going around doing a good deed by salting and shoveling the sidewalks. But all the kids are telling horrible stories about he was a murderer and he puts his victims in the in the barrel of salt to dissolve them. You know, it's like, oh, come on. <laughs> it's the poor guy. So, um, and, but he'll be important later. That's for sure. Um, and then, um, I love the pizza delivery guy. Every time someone drives into the McAllister's driveway, they hit the little statue of the jockey and knock it over. Yes. And th- the pizza guy does it at least twice, I think. Uh, <laughs> and he goes flying in because, hey, kids, a long time ago, pizza places used to guarantee delivery in 30 minutes or less, or this one was 20 minutes or less, or you get your pizza free. So they, the drivers were, had to fly like crazy everywhere, mm-hmm. which meant accidents and caused lawsuits. So that's why we don't have 30 minutes or less anymore. But was this Nero's day, or was this before Caesar's? So they didn't name it Nero's. I'm trying oh, to remember. This was little kind of, Nero's. I, I, little, I it was little Nero's. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and he famously got paid more than John Candy, the, cause he appeared twice. That's right. Uh, the pizza guy. That's right. Um, and then, uh, so they get the pizza. They can, there's this chaos of the of the eating, and um, sho- there's some shoving. The drinks get knocked over, causes some mess. Everyone blames Kevin, including Uncle Frank, who says, "Look what you did, you little jerk." I'm like, <laughs> if my brother ever called my one of my kids a little jerk, he'd be out on his ear. That's for sure. <laughs> so. Uh, and in the chaos of cleaning up, they end up throwing away Kevin's airplane ticket, which is why they won't miss when he's at the airport the next day. This again, kids, this is back in the day when airplane tickets were literal pieces of paper <laughs> that you had to bring with you. Uh, that, that you and there from. were no cell phones. No. And that's the other big thing is no cell phones. So when the power goes out, there's no telephone service. There's mm-hmm. no alarm clocks, all that sort of stuff. It's kind of funny how, time to you know uh, time dependent this is or technology dependent the premise of the movie is you could make this movie now but you'd have to you know change all the premises on how things happen 
Oh yeah. yeah. My wife, we were just talking about it the other day. It was like this movie and like so many movies around this time and before it, like just be solved by a cell phone. <laughs> Die Hard would have been solved with a cell phone. Exactly. Yeah. Another, another great Christmas movie. Yeah. Yes. We talked about that one last year. Right. Uh, it, yes exactly it's it's kind of funny and so the premises have to be changed in fact i remember was it die hard three where they had cell phones for the first time and like he and then in fact that became part of the premise was him going a, a cell phone that would have been handy or something along those lines yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was great very self-aware um so, you know, it, it this whole kerfuffle results in Kevin being banished to the attic. Uh, There's a it's not like a literal like gr- a gross attic. It's like a, a half finished attic. There's a bed up there and he's supposed to sleep in the same bed with his cousin who wets the bed. <laughs> and so they who's seen drinking all this coke yes. <laughs> smiling <laughs> who's his real life brother oh is it oh, really it? Call, call call, call, yeah, oh, uh, okay. who was who amazing who was amazing in uh um uh succession one of my favorite shows on tv oh. on hbo max kieran culkin is his name kieran culkin yeah he's yeah, yeah he's sort of the 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 Culkin that still acts <laughs> in normal <Right>. things. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, Macaulay just got, goes on talk shows. And you right, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Uh, no, Kieran, if, yeah, I mean, uh, Succession is is one of my favorite shows uh, that, that's on. Uh, it's on HBO Max, and, and he is amazing okay. in it. He's one of my favorite characters. Oh, fun, fun. Yeah. So Kevin, you know, as his mother's dragging him upstairs, she says, he says, uh, everyone in this family hates me. And she, rather than contradicting him, she kind of, you know, says, well, maybe you should think why. Like, no, what you're supposed to say is, no, no one hates you. We love you. But sometimes you do things that make people mad, you know, I mean, or something along those lines. But you should always say if a kid says you hate me or everybody hates me, you need to say, no, we don't like reassure them. They say that because they want to hear you say, I love you. <laughs> That's parenting one-on-one anyway. <laughs> and I have no idea if this is true, but you wonder if part, I mean, uh, is this all from Kevin's, what, what he's hearing his, his, uh... his view of what everyone's saying. Uh, I, I didn't get, you forgot about me. I didn't get cheese pizza. You and everyone hates me and everything. And, and, what he's hearing, you know, for someone that age, isn't always what's being said. They just kind of filter it through their own brain. So um, it could be a little bit of that, too. A kind of unreliable narrator. Um, yeah. 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 yeah that, I mean, it's possible. possible. Yeah. It's possible. I, I, mean, I, that, and I never read that anywhere as like something that Hughes or, or Columbus yeah. said. So I don't really know. It would make the movie a lot less, uh, a lot more believable. Like, uh, you know, a lot less vicious of uh, adults. Because <laughs> my right. goodness, these are horrible parents. I mean, yes, you couple that with actually forgetting him. <laughs> they're not, oh, they're not looking too good. And then it happens again in the sequel. <laughs> yeah. So maybe they really don't love him. <laughs> well, would, would, so the the key here is is when he says everybody in this family hates me. What mom says is. Maybe you should ask Santa for a new family. And then he, and he so then he wishes he didn't have any family at all, which is what happens. Uh, and he thinks he wished his family into the cornfield or something, <laughs> whatever it is. It's like, I hope I never see you jerks again. Yes. Yeah. And so uh, we have the 
you know, just like in this wonderful life, when when something big changes, the wind kicks up. So, <laughs> uh, so in this one, the wind kicks up and knocks out the power, and that means no alarms. And oh man, like my as we record this, my wife and two daughters have to catch a flight tomorrow morning, and I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, I hope the alarms go off. I need to set like three alarms. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, so they wake up as the the, the airport vans are out front honking, and they have to run like crazy. So. Um, that's, you know, so it's like a succession of events that lead to him being left behind. Uh, so you have Kevin's ticket thrown in the cash, the neighbor kid getting counted in his place, right? They're counting the, the heads in the van, uh, the pyro going out, phone lines going down and they're late for their flight. So all of that. And leads Kevin's to- in the attic. So he's easily missable. Right, right. And nobody and, and his cousin who was supposed to sleep in the bed with him ended up getting put somewhere else. And that meant. You know, all these things lead to Kevin getting left behind. Um, I it this is all pre TSA, by the way. So, you know, you can run through the airport straight to the gate, you know, uh, paper tickets here. Here's my ticket, yeah. you know, knives and guns flying out of your bag. No one cares. <laughs> you know, all the liquid jugs you want. It's, uh, it was crazy times to live in. Man, those were the days you, yeah. could, br- you could bring a bomb on the flight like on uh, uh, D.B. No. Cooper. Yeah. No, no, no problem. <laughs> Nobody knew. Um, and so. It, so, so when Kevin wakes up alone in the house, I love the fact that he's like, all right, you guys can come out now. Buzz, <laughs> I'm jumping on your bed or touching your stuff. You know, he's like, he thinks everybody's hiding on him, which is funny. <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> and then he realizes he, he, he thinks he made his family disappear. And that's when he kind of goes wild. And this is kind of like in um, uh, what's the Groundhog Day? You know, yeah. the stages that you go through when these things happen. And the first stage is go crazy, go wild. And then the second stage is a sort of like despair. And then the third stage is I'm going to be a, a reasonable person and do the reasonable things. And he, he kind of, he doesn't do so much of the despair, but he goes wild <laughs> at first. Um, I'm watching, I'm watching movies that are junk for my brain. Like, <laughs> and, and so you have this movie that he watches. Uh, it's like the movie within the movie called yes angels with filthy souls that's <laughs> <laughs> such a great name um, uh, and it's a fake i can't movie, believe obviously. no one has made that yet why I hasn't know. anyone actually made that yet that is hilarious keep the change <laughs> filthy animal, filthy animal. Filthy animal. <laughs> I, lo- I love that such great great lines and, and he does get to that stage too where he goes I made my family disappear. And then he gets a big grinchy smile. I made, I made my, my family, family disappear. disappear. Yeah. <laughs> so we end up, you know, there are other movies within the movie that we see other Christmas movies. We see clips of Miracle on 34th Street, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, It's a Wonderful Life. So we, we do see other movies. There's, there's a great soundtrack. In addition to the John Williams original score, there's great uh, cr- classic Christmas songs that we hear, uh, pop songs and others. Yeah. Uh, the Carol the Bells uh, arrangement is with the chorus is just gorgeous, and it yes. and it goes and it blends into I believe that's the song um, into him rushing home to beat the wet bandits because he's got to defend his house. Right, um, that's right. So mm-hmm. uh, Williams kind of takes that and does a melody with it and gets him home with it. So it's kind of neat. Was there a a Mannheim steamroller that they used too? I think that they used the. Um... Uh, a Mannheim steamroller uh, arrangement. I think um, you're right. Yeah. yeah. The one guy, uh, who's the, who's the guy that, uh, Harry from night court liked all the time. Um, 
he did uh the uh oh. one of the songs um Mel Torme Mel Torme yes. was there <laughs> I know he he yeah. did it yep. um and the I'm dreaming of a white I don't know who that was <laughs> that wasn't Mel Torme that was some other very deep voiced singers yeah I'm trying to see uh, if I can find the soundtrack now on uh here we go soundtrack 25th anniversary edition um. White Christmas by the Drifters. Please come home mm-hmm. for Christmas by Southside Johnny. Uh, have yourself a merry little Christmas, Mel Torme. That's how yourself, yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't they don't give the names on the other ones in this listing, but uh, I'd have to look it up. Yeah, it's just a great soundtrack, and it's got a um uh a vocal somewhere in my memory uh that actually has like words to it which is uh uncommon for john williams you know, soundtrack yeah uh so it's uh it turned into really a classic christmas song um that you hear it and you know you know it's, it's this isn't star wars this is christmas I can tell. <laughs> uh, so it's yeah it's it's yep. it's uh and and columbus just didn't even think he would get john williams he was like yeah right we're gonna like uh hughes right. or somebody have mentioned it and he's like yeah, whatever, sure, and we'll get Clark Gable to make a cameo, you know. <laughs> um, and and Williams liked the uh, liked it so much, he said yes. Um, and he probably I don't know if he even got uh, you know he, he may have given a discount because they were up against it, so I don't know. But yeah, um, when he read the, when he read it, he fell in love with it and said, "Yeah, I want to do it." I'm looking at the uh, Wikipedia entry for the soundtrack, and I'm trying to see. Um, I mean, it's got the extended score and all that other stuff. I, you know, you, you can take a look at it on uh, wikipedia see if you can find any information on there so none of the adults in this movie are really competent right i mean they're all kind <laughs> of all kind of failures in some way or another the mom uh can't explain to the when she gets the, the local police on the phone she can't explain to them what's going on like every time she tries to like to talk about it, she gives too much information and not enough and the police keep you know handing her off from each department Marv, crazy lady on foot on three, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, the police can't get the story straight. They can't even make sure he's home. They send a cop to the house. He knocks and no one answers. Well, what do you think a, a kid home alone is going to do? Like, <laughs> yeah. so, and, you know, the wet bandits, <laughs> Mr. Marley can't, you know, manage his own family's relationships. Like everybody, every adult in this movie is sort of incompetent, which is kind of funny. So, um, uh, but meanwhile, Kevin is competent. He takes care of himself. He goes, goes to get the, a toothbrush. He goes to get a toothbrush. He steals a toothbrush, unfortunately. <laughs> he's, he's, <laughs> he's a shoplifting. But he goes to the grocery store. And like he, he even when he's quizzed by the cashier, I love that. Which is like, where's your mom? In the car. Where do you live? I can't tell you that. Why not? Because you're a stranger. <laughs> and he's like. You're a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, are these good? Are these are these uh, frozen meals any good? I've got a coupon for that. Like, like doing the whole like grown up thing. It was uh, really great. There's just so many little classic scenes. I, I, the one in front of the mirror is probably like you know parodied most often with. Oh the yeah. sli- you know he puts the aftershave on. I'm like whoa, yes. you know, but um, just the, like the, eating the ice cream and watching the bad movies. Oh, and, yeah, the marshmallows. Um, oh my gosh, looking through his brother's <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I mean, just all the different things. But he also like decorates the tree and right. You know, and then there's the there's the. Um, the furnace, uh, the evil furnace in the basement. <laughs> the furnace. And I was afraid of the basement. My house, there, was a, there was a furnace down there, but it was just creepy. So yes. I totally related to him being afraid of the basement. <laughs> Buzz, I'm touching your stuff. You went to go get Buzz's money. 
That's your girlfriend. Woof. <laughs> and, that, and, that, and that story, I'm sure you guys know, is not a real girl. It's a, a boy dressed up as a girl because they didn't want to, to have a real girl feeling. be be, <laughs> yeah, yep. be called Woof. So yes. they had some boy who was perfectly willing to do it, and they dressed him up as a girl and <laughs> took his picture. <laughs> that's that's good. That's good. It makes me feel better about it. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, and, and climbing up, he you know, he crashes all of Buzz's uh, shelves down, which releases the tarantula, which mm-hmm. will uh, go uh, become key later. Um, meanwhile, yes. yeah, <laughs> mom's got this epic journey home that she's got to make. You know, they're in Paris. As soon as she realizes on the plane, you know, she's like, I forgot something. What did I forget? I feel like, you know, how you, everyone does that. Oh, I forgot something at home. Did you leave the iron on? I left the, I left the garage door open. The cars, you know, the cars are out. Oh, okay. No, that's not it. And then she does the <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> the delivery of that, that Kevin is just yes. the it, best. It I is mean. Great. Even the shot, like having the, like, has yeah. she, Jumps forward into the camera. Yeah, it's awesome. And it really a typical dad. Dad's probably thinking he'll probably be fine. I mean, you know, <laughs> well, well, dad's concerned that have to ruin the whole trip. Do we? <laughs> dad's like, I, I need to calm her down. Like She's yeah. in front of me. She's the immediate issue. I have to calm her down. There's like because he's like, there's nothing we can do on the uh, you know from the plane. So we just calm down. We'll do something when we get there. You know, we'll take care of it. But yeah, the, so uh, and Uncle Frank is, of course, being a jerk about it. You know? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they get there. They can't get a flight back. She's trading like her watch and like cash to this old couple in exchange for uh, their tickets to, I think, to like Philadelphia, like some completely other yeah, city yeah. just so she can get into the U.S. and then find another flight when she gets there. Um, and so ironically, if she'd just gone to the hotel with the family, she would have got home at the same time. But instead she had this, yeah. this epic journey home. Um, it was basically uh, planes, trains and automobiles, you know, within the movie. It's like she had, <laughs> yeah. she had her own version of that, that, right. that plot. With you know, John Candy. With John it would have been really yeah. funny. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure Hughes thought of it as like, Maybe I could actually have her run into and have this be the same universe. Yeah, yeah. And she runs into John Candy. And Steve Martin. <laughs> and, <he's, laughs> and Steve Martin. And, you know, he sells her some shower rings. And there are, there are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of theories about John Hughes movies where it's all one connected universe. So it's, you know, yes. you never know. I, the, I buy it. Yeah. The yeah. John Molly Hughes Ringwald in her different lives. Yeah. Cinematic universe. <laughs> um, yeah, and so we have Gus Polinski, the polka king of the Upper Midwest. Yeah, maybe you know some of our songs. <laughs> polka, polka, polka. <laughs> the fact that he was ad-libbing those things makes it even better. I just love that. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, this guy, he hasn't seen his family in 300 days. You know, it's... <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's It was... John John Candy was just the best. So, um, he, so Kevin notices the wet bandits. You know, he almost gets hit by them for one thing and they are you know sneakily following him in the van like they have a like they're the only car on the street rolling slowly behind him (laughs) as he walks in the middle of the street and like he turns to look and they stop and kind of looked off to the side like 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 he's not gonna notice uh and so he runs and as he's heading home um as he's heading home he, he runs from them and ends up hiding in the nativity scene in front of the church. And uh, uh, let's see, Marv says to Harry, uh, maybe you went into the church. 
I'm not going in there. Me neither. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're afraid of the church, which, is afraid, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was good. Um, so uh, Kevin very cleverly has to figure out a way to keep the bandits from his, you know, c- coming to into his house. So the first thing he does is he has the pretend party with the mannequins, uh, which is great. So he's got all this, like the uh, the the Michael Jordan stand up and the mannequins on the turntable and dancing with the things and music. And they're like, "What? There's a party going on? I thought you said this house was empty." <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so that was that was a lot of fun. Now the man the, the to bring up the the mannequins, like there there's I've always had this question of. Like what, what did Kevin's parents do for a living? Yeah. Because like, they, they, first of all, I'll say, you know, it's such an amazing house that they live in yep. and, and like, how could, how could, how could he afford to pay for all these family members, all his kids? And, and, and I think it fits the bill for, for uncle Frank too. Yep. Uh, and then like to go to Paris <laughs> for Christmas. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, what I've learned recently is that, you know, the, uh, and and I think it's confirmed in the novelization of the the film. There there is one that exists for it yep. um, that that came out after. Uh, so I guess the the mom is a fashion designer. That's why there's mannequins around the house, right? Um, and the the Kevin's dad is a successful like day trader, you know, businessman. So oh, okay, yeah. So I mean that makes sense because I always wondered that when I was a kid. Like man, that this is like the most amazing house in the world and you know he's getting to live his childhood dream you know before these these two uh knuckleheads uh try to you know rob the house he's like you know like eating all the ice cream and the marshmallows and doing whatever he wants and then yeah uh, but but then you realize then you want to get older like wait this is not a this is this is not most kids you know, most kids don't live this life, this lavish lifestyle. Like, right. what what did his parents do? <laughs> I had noticed this time around, especially that there were some like, like in the parents' bedroom, there was a sewing table, like a, a sewing machine, mm-hmm. and a dress fitting uh, mannequin thing. Like, and then there were some other clues that mom was at least like a hobbyist seamstress. But right, but that makes sense that she was a fashion designer. Yeah, yeah. And the house also was uh, perfectly decorated for Christmas, not just the decorations, but the wallpaper and the carpet and the comforter on the bed and everything. It was <laughs> The whites and the greens yeah. and the reds just really you know, added to it. And you're like, did they put up special wallpaper and carpet for Christmas time? Or they just kind of have that Christmas feeling all year round? Uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> they would be really wealthy. <laughs> so Kevin at one point realizes that he really does love and miss his family, even Buzz. Uh, and um, and he ends up going to the church on Christmas Eve, not to the to the service or mass. I couldn't I I couldn't tell it if it was Protestant, like an Episcopalian church or Catholic church. But there are an awful lot of statues in there for it to be an Episcopalian uh, church. There was like mm. a Saint Anthony and a Saint Francis, and right, like, right, I yeah. don't think that's an, an Episcopalian church. But the sanctuary looked very Episcopalian. But in any case, um, he goes there for the Christmas choir rehearsal and sees Mr. Marley in there um, who, you know, comes and sits with Kevin and they talk and Kevin realizes that he's estranged from his family, you know, that he's missing and away from his family, too, and is here to see his granddaughter sing because he wouldn't be welcome otherwise. And Kevin does that thing that where the the wise child gives the advice to the older older man um you know uh 
there is an, actually a nice moment where um, he he says, um, you know, Kevin says, I don't feel I'm, I'm not feeling great about myself. And Mr. Marley says, well, this is the place to be if you're feeling bad about yourself, you know, and mm-hmm. Kevin makes conf- a confession, you know, and that's yeah. kind of a, 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 a theme here is the he goes to church and he makes a confession and things are better after that afterward. And uh, it's kind of interesting, I think. Um, he says, uh, you, Mr. Marley says, you're always welcome at church. Uh, you know, that, and that's, it's an interesting nineties moment. Shall we say, uh, not, not a, a sentiment you hear as much in movies today. Yeah. Marley's there to see his granddaughter who he's not allowed to see. Otherwise yes. she's practicing in the choir while they're singing. And this is his only chance to really get a look at her is, is these public, you know, things where she's, like maybe playing sports or something and he or she's singing for Christmas. So that's, that kind of uh, gets into the whole story of, you know, he doesn't get to see them that much. And Kevin has a very precocious kind of moment with him where he's giving him advice and asking him questions like an adult would. Right. Yeah. It's funny how the movie uh, changes, like watching it as you get older. Like when I was a kid, it it, it seemed perfectly normal that, you know, he went to, he went to a church to, to sort of, to feel safe and, you know, talk to God and, and, uh-huh. uh, you know, try to figure yourself out. Cause you know, being raised Catholic and, and being raised in the church, it, that was a perfectly normal thing to see. What was, what was not normal was like as a kid be, being like, well, wh- what happened between, you know, Marley and his, and his family that he can't see his granddaughter. It's like, that just, that's so evil. But as you get older, it kind of flips. It's like, like, oh, yeah, it's not that surprising. Like families fall out a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 sadly that's something that happens. And but but what ends up being more surprising is like, wow, how did a movie like this, you know, get, get away with uh, again? <laughs> it's a kind of of the time. Right. Whereas oh, you could get away with it. Um, Hollywood doesn't seem to do it so much these days anymore. Right. But where you explicitly go inside of a church, <laughs> at, you know, have a like you said, literally a confession the only thing missing was a priest right right um and 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 you know talking and praying and hoping um and uh and 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 like the funny moment like you mentioned earlier with uh with the the two bandits uh, you know not wanting to go in because like (laughs) they're demons or something (laughs) right right (laughs) they might burn you know Uh, yes but yeah it's it's funny the the older i got the the those types of things that I noticed that, that were kind of surprising about the film and, and, and make you mm-hmm. cherish it even more. Yeah. And, and he ends up giving Mr. Marley great advice because Marley says he's, he, he, he's afraid to reach out to his son. You know, he's afraid. And Kevin says, you should call your son because then at least you'll know and you won't have to be afraid anymore. You'll know, like, even if he says, no, I don't want to see you. Then you, then you'll know. It's like, yeah, that's kind of sensible advice. <laughs> so uh, it's a nice little interlude in the movie, like in between the the action and the, the adventure parts. There's this nice quiet moment right in the middle that kind of reminds you that it's Christmas, you know, in, in that sense, too. And, and I, I like that. And it's just enough, just what you needed that leads, leads up to him later saving Kevin and that great scene at the end. Right. And I think this this moment of lower energy really makes the the next part, which is the highest energy of the of the film, you know, emphasizes it even more. You know, it gives it that more oomph because Kevin had overheard the bandits saying we're going to come back tonight at 930. That was the idea. So they're going to come hit it on 930 on Christmas Eve. 
And so he came up with the battle plan and we had that nice montage of him, you know, going around setting things up. And so I'll just mention all of it up front and we can talk about the, some of our favorite bits, but so there's a BB gun in the dog door that he, he shoots them through uh, this. He, he coats the steps with, with ice. Um, he sets up a clothesline. Well, I mean, actually I don't want to go through it all at once. Cause I want to talk about it as we go, but so it mm-hmm. starts with them trying to get into the, the back door uh, and he's coated the steps with, with ice and they, they, uh, they, one goes to the back door, one goes to the front door. And so you have this hysterical, I don't know, Daniel Stern's physical comedy in this as he tries to get in through the, uh, the steps to the basement are just, it's just so funny. I mean, it's just so oh, good. Phenomenal. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I remind me of him in, um, uh, the, 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 Cowboy movie with Billy Crystal. Oh um, yeah, uh, City City Slickers. City Slickers. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say Blazing Saddles. Much different movie. Much different. Uh, City movie. Slickers, and he had and he had like some you know slapstick kind of stuff going on there too. But the the I I, I hear him going like the second time he falls, and he's going in and you hear whoop, and you see it through the door, and he just boom. Every he's dying laughing. It's the it's that whoop that makes that yeah. scene. It is. A, Without it, it is not as funny. Yeah. It, it's no. so much funnier. Uh, I, can, and, I can hear distinctly the whoop, and it's just the yeah. best. Um, it makes yeah. me giggle now. Yeah. And then seeing you know, Joe Pesci on the front steps, you know, uh, Harry on the front steps, and just flying through, like he's he's flying through the air when he's when he falls. It is not just yeah. slip and fall like normal people do. Like he is just yeah. whoop up and like three feet off the ground. It is fantastic. So yeah. good. It's it's like a Looney Tunes, you yes. know, cartoon totally. come to life. Oh, yeah. It's, it's totally. so ridiculous. Like this these... is all being done by the Roadrunner. Uh, <laughs> you know, because yeah. Pesci's like, he's getting burned in his hand. He's flying <laughs> in the air. He is his head burned off by the torch. I mean, he's sticking his hand and sticking his head in the snow and everything. <laughs> right. And he's just a mess. He's yes. just like, you know, and then he comes in and he just gets beat up even more. Right. It's it's uh, it's basically like. You know, you guys should have went to church. Basically, <laughs> that would have been much better. Like he, like when they when they first come to the back door, and he sticks the BB gun out through the dog <laughs> and hits him right in the crotch with the with the BB. Like they don't even see it coming, and then he's like sticks his head through, like the uh, the Marv does, sticks his head through, and he just shoots him right between the eyes. I mean, it's so good. <laughs> it's so he has to come so, in through the basement, and. I love that he comes in and he goes to like pull the switch for the light and he drinked it up to mm-hmm. me. The laundry chute does an iron at the top of it <laughs> and he just looks up as the iron heads for his face. And so then for the rest of the scene, the rest of the movie, he's got this imprint of an iron on his face. <laughs> like when, like, like when do they give up? Like they, yes. they just, you gotta, you gotta almost uh, commend them for, you know, just their motivation to keep going. Stick to it. Stick to it. Yeah. yeah. And then he, he's uh, put tar on the basement steps so that it would like pull his, his shoes and then his socks get stuck. And then his rigged up a nail up through yeah. a, 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 a roof tile or you know, a roof shingle. And it's like, oh, like you see the and you foot. See the, yeah, yeah, you see the foot go into it. And, oh, and, and, like you don't see it go into it. But well, you I see know, it but come it, right it lowers it. down. I mean, yeah. yeah, good enough. It wasn't like Passion of the Christ or anything. But still. <laughs> and he it falls really backwards <laughs> and it's like starting all over. You know, I'm fell down again. I'm full of tar. I got an iron on my face. <laughs> you know, it's just. And, and of course, the 
they're getting them to take their shoes off works for like coming oh, through the gosh. window later on. Yes. And on top of all the sharp, uh, the, yeah, the ornaments, ornaments on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it really had to be that over the top and like unrealistic because I mean, Kevin, I mean, what kind of how sick in the head is this kid to come up with all this? <laughs> like, it, it's really like if this was realistic in any way, it would, like I think I think you would have way more empathy for the bandits because <laughs> it's. I mean, as creative as it is, it's it's really it's really um, disturbing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and the way they do it too, like he doesn't like slip in the window. He gets into the window and then and he like just jumps down. His it's feet like, down. boom, like yeah. the worst yeah. thing you could do. Uh, you know, and, and then Not there's the, um, yeah. there's the tire and feathering, or, yeah. or maybe it was Vaseline. I don't know, but he yeah. put all this slot, this stuff on the uh, saran wrap and he pulls that off and then he has a fan and he feathers them. The, yeah, the down Why? feathers. Just, just, just feathers them just, just because I can. Just because and we haven't even gotten to the paint cans yet, which is right. my favorite part. Well, so oh, we yes. have the he's he's hung like before they even get inside, he's hung a uh, charcoal starter, electric charcoal starter, on the doorknob to heat that yeah. up, so it's glowing like like it's radioactive. <laughs> and oh we my just, he grabs it like that guy in Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, he's got the yeah. imprint. You know, six cubits high. You know, I'm finding the the, the well of souls in Tannis. You know. <laughs> <laughs> he is branded with that H, the uh, or and, and now he's like proving that he robbed the house because yeah, he's, he's got the brand. He's got the McAllister brand on his hand, uh, and uh, so and then you, you, yeah, we had the flamethrower at the back door, which burned his head, and then the fan, the feathers, the ornaments. He's got toy cars all scattered through the foyer, which clearly these guys don't have kids because I mean, <laughs> uh, a a veteran dad knows how to avoid that, like no problem. But uh, they, they whoop and down. The stuntmen they, they, in unison coming from different directions, both slipped up, like yeah. you said, three to four feet in the air and boom on their backs. Got to give um, the stuntmen credit. In this movie. Yeah, that was really well done. Yeah. The, I don't know if I could ever get that high on a ball. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I tried. And then you had the paint cans that you mentioned uh, where Kevin's got the paint cans on the string and he throws them off the top. Bam! Right in the face. And then I'll get him, Marv. And turns around and there's another kid. Oh, man. He's got the tripwire on the stairs. Um, and then they're uh, you're laying on the floor of the upstairs. Like they're trying to uh, grab him. Kevin's going for the attic and he's got him by the ankle like uh, Marv does. And that's when Kevin sees Buzz's tarantula and puts it on Marv's face. Now, Daniel Stern's scream is real there. Like, yeah, <laughs> he did yeah. not like spiders. And so getting that spider on his face, the that is an arachnophobe scream. He just, He's not <laughs> acting in that moment. <laughs> and, they're, and they told him, they're like, did you, it's a fake, no, we don't have the fake spider. We're going to have to use a real well, the stinger's removed. No, that would kill the spider. The stinger's still in it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, tarantulas don't have ears, so so yeah, however many takes they had to do it, and it, it was totally fine for the for the spider. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> no spiders were harmed in the filming. <laughs> oh, and then when he sees like uh, when when uh, Harry's on the ground and he sees Harry laying there with the spider on his belly, <laughs> gets the the tire or the tire iron, I think it is, and yeah, just starts, or something. Yeah. yeah, he starts pounding him with it. <laughs> oh my god, it's like broken ribs. It was oh. <laughs> so so Kevin escapes out the window on the rope with the uh, bicycle handle to the to his little fort, and they decide to follow him out on the rope. 
Like, <laughs> have you learned nothing? <laughs> exactly. These these are the dumbest bandits ever. Yeah. And they get halfway out, and he's like, "Hey guys, he's got the shears, the guard shears. Go back, go back." <laughs> <laughs> and he cuts it and they fall and sl- uh, although the physics are a little off like they wouldn't have fallen and slammed into the wall they would have fallen straight down but you know it's okay <laughs> and then yeah. he he runs to the neighbor's house where that's where they catch him he goes up through the flooded basement because we're the wet bandits we flood the places and he's like that's you're an idiot like but you know whatever so yeah. they he goes up the stairs and they catch him they put him on the on the hook, and that's when they turn around, and Mister Marley's there with his shovel and lays them out. And it's great because the cops show up and arrest them, and Kevin and Mister Marley are gone. Kevin and Mister Marley are not involved in any of this at all, which is great. Um, although I love the cops saying, "Yo, uh, oh, so you're the wet bandits? It's great that you left your calling card in all these other houses. Yeah. We can blame all those uh, house breaks on you." <laughs> and and uh kevin mccauley lo- loves showing or kevin mccauley mccauley Culkin, yeah <laughs> blending their names i shipped the two char- the, the real character in the- anyway um he has a scar from uh J- pesci uh when he was either rehearsed or or at in the actual film when he was he said i'm gonna bite your fingers off you know which has got to be also terrifying for you yeah. guys when as kids watching this is he's gonna bite my fingers mm-hmm. off um and but he obviously doesn't get a chance because he gets taken out by marley and his shovel uh but he did bite uh macaulay culkin hard enough to uh leave a scar that macaulay said i got a joe pesci scar in my head, so <laughs> show it off <laughs> oh man <laughs> so wow that was that's getting into the role so yeah, really. uh, uh it is kind of again some of the unrealism of this kevin manages to get the house back into perfect condition oh yeah, yeah. No tower like, on the steps yeah Just clean it up yeah nobody notices so except for buzz's room buzz's room is still a mess <laughs> kevin what have you done to my room <laughs> oh crap i forgot to <laughs> yeah so kevin cleans up he even puts out a plate for santa he has hope and that's the nice thing is that by the end of this kevin has hope that things will turn out for the best like he's prayed for his family to come back and he believes he has faith that it will come true that his fam- that Santa will bring his family and it's fulfilled. You know, he gets his, his, his wish. Yeah. We skipped the part. He did meet up with Santa and ask him, you know, can I get my family back? Uh, right. That's right. right. That, yeah. terrib- that terrible Santa. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> drunk Santa out of yeah. 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 Um, so uh, I do love, I just I have a note here. I remembered where uh, Gus Polinsky in the back of the U-Haul is telling mom, uh, trying to cheer her up by telling her how he left his kid in a funeral home all day once. <laughs> yeah. And he was okay. I mean, he's still, he's still, he's got a few twitches now, but yeah. <laughs> once he started talking again, it was yeah. <laughs> once he started talking, <laughs> that was great. Uh, so, um, so mom's there and Kevin, you know, he doesn't say a word until mom apologizes he doesn't run to her doesn't you know doesn't smile or anything he waits for her apology which she gives him and that's it that's that's the one that opens up the you know the smile and the happy um and later on he sees mr marley through the window reconciling with his son 
seeing his granddaughter. And so it, it ends, you know, in this happy note, except for Buzz, whose room has been trashed and all of his money stash is gone. But other than that, everybody's happy. So I, I love the scene with Marley. Um, it's snowing outside. And he, uh, the actor gives a great just shot where he's got that. I'm trying not to cry teeth, uh, like lips over his teeth. Kind of, you know, like, like I'm trying to bite down and, and just kind of hold it together here. His eyes are welling up and he's seeing his, his son and his grandchildren. And at, at that just gets you. If that doesn't get you seeing that, then yes, you know, your heart is two sizes too small. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um and that's where the movie finishes any other notes on the on what happens on the movie and the themes uh that you want to mention uh, andrew oh gosh i mean again it, it's it has like so many layers to it you know it, it 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 plays with all the different you know uh genres like you know like i mentioned earlier it's a it's a home invasion movie it's a it's a comedy. It's it's in a lot of ways a horror movie, <laughs> a psychological thriller. I mean, depending on, you know, what perspective you want to watch it from. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it's some, uh, like like all John Hughes, you know, movies, you know, there's there's something deeper and meaningful. You mm-hmm. know, it's not it's not your run of the mill uh, Christmas comedy. It, it's it's got, you know, um obviously Kevin's mom is going through like this existential crisis, you know, I was like, yep. what kind of mother am I? You know, it, it, there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, her looking into the mirror and, and, and Kevin, you know, being, a like an eight year old boy, you know, going kind of through the same thing. Like just, you know, he's at that age of reason and he's able to, you know, sort of, uh, contemplate like, wow, am I, am I a good son? Am I a good brother? You know, am I, uh, mm-hmm you know, all these different things. Do I deserve to have, uh, no family? Um, uh, it, it, you know, John Hughes is not afraid to, to incorporate those things in, in, in movies that, that are filled with just like ridiculousness and, and, uh, you know, tons of farce. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you got Joe Pesci as a, as a bandit, like that's, that's just amazing. That's the best thing ever. <laughs> uh, you know, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, the the movie is like is like a unicorn. It, it, there's there's I can't say it enough. There's really nothing uh, a film you could compare it to, um, you know, other than its sequel, uh, which which uh, I think um, is a very successful sequel. I don't think it's as good as the original, but I think it 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 gets as close as you can get. Um, mm-hmm. But I think no other Christmas movie or or any other family comedy in general. Um, that 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 sort of is inspired by this or or has a lot of the same uh, elements uh, comes close to to really what it, what it fully uh, um, ended, up, ended up being and 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 I think um, uh, it, it will always stand the test of time because of that. Yeah, you know, all great Christmas movies have a transformation in them. You know, Christmas Carol, It's a Wonderful Life. And this one, and Kevin transforms in this. Kevin is a different boy at the end of this movie than he's at the beginning, as is his 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 mother, at least. I don't know if the dad. That's one of the reasons why he might be the villain. Uh, the dad doesn't right. seem to have changed at all. But both Kevin and his mom have changed a lot from beginning to end. And uh, he's matured a lot, for, for sure. 
And that's one of the things that makes a great Christmas movie, which is kind of interesting because why is that a Christmas thing? And I think it part of it is it's about not just transformation, but in a way, conversion. I'm, you know, Christmas and Jesus Christ being born and being incarnated, coming to the world and saving us from our sins is about changing us, about us changing ourselves, but also God changing us. And that's, Part of the theme of this movie is the change that can occur. Now it's wrapped up in fun and the comedy and all of that, but it's still there as a kernel. And that's one of the reasons why it's not just because it's set at Christmas. It's this that really makes it a Christmas movie. There are lots of movies that are set at Christmas that aren't transformation in their in their heart. They're not Christmas movies in that sense. Um, you could debate that Die Hard had a transformation in it. Anyway, <laughs> that's for another episode. You can, you can go back and listen to that uh, episode. <laughs> but uh, so I, 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 really, I agree. I think that there's more to this movie than just the comedy uh, that makes it stand this, the test of time. And there is, there's a heart to this movie as well. And, and I, I agree. Mike? One of the subliminal things that uh, helped this along in the transformation is the way uh, Columbus decided to shoot Kevin in the beginning from above um, kind of emphasizing how small he is. Yeah. And then as the movie got to, you know, how he's standing on his own two feet and he's taking care of himself, you're getting um, shots uh, right at him or even from below a little bit to make him appear bigger and kind of symbolize uh, his growth, not physically, but as a character. Yeah. So you have, you have that transformation too. And the other thing I'll say is, um, very much the the title character is part. You know, you said it, like people come to this house to, just to it's a tourist attraction just to see the iconic outside look of the house. I imagine it's disappointing if it's not snowing when you go there. Um, but like you know, it it's the house. Uh, Kevin used his house to attack the bandits. I mean, it was yep. it defended itself in a way. You know, and uh, uh, the the funny thing too about how Kevin cleaning up yet he couldn't find the gold tooth that his dad yes. found out that was <laughs> probably knocked out from by a paint can yes. um, at the bottom of the steps. Uh, so that was uh, kind of funny. Like he got everything but this gold tooth. Yes. Gosh, just it's, it's there must have been blood and guts and you know, <laughs> it's like it's hard to imagine it was just a gold tooth left over. Just I mean, a gold tooth. <laughs> you know, what's all this blood on the back porch? <laughs> <laughs> Why is there hair in the snow? Burnt skin. Burnt skin. And, oh my yeah. God. Why is there blood all over the steps when mixed with tar? Yeah, what is with tar? Oh, I don't know. I, was, I didn't go downstairs. You know I'm afraid of the downstairs. I don't know why it's buzz. Yeah, but it's buzz. Yeah, as well. it's buzz. Yeah. The uh, the house, by the way, is if you happen to be in the Chicago area anytime soon, uh, Lincoln Ave in the Chicago suburb of Winnetka. So you can find it there. Um so, of course, Wikipedia has a uh, an entry list of films featuring home invasions. So there you go; <laughs> you can get your fill of home invasion films. Uh, the uh, there are and they also list a, a bunch of other homages to Home Alone. I mean, it's become that cultural touchstone where you know it's called out in other things. Um, there's uh, you know uh, Snoop Dogg has a song uh, where he. He, he talks about being home alone and that sort of stuff. So um, it's kind of fun like that. The biggest one is, as I mentioned before, the the scream of the aftershave and putting his hands on either side yes. is done all the time. And that's like a Macaulay Culkin classic. Right. That and oh, being yeah. in the hall and uh, running in the hall with his hands in the air. 
uh, waving his arms. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, those, that, those two. Yeah, uh, fantastic. So maybe at some point in the future, we'll do Home Alone 2 Lost in New York featuring a future president of the United States. <laughs> in a, yeah, so yeah, the whole cast return plus a future president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's, uh, that should be a fun one. But uh, all right. So that will wrap, I guess, wrap this one up now. And unless you guys have anything else, uh, I do want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of movies and TV shows, including Carl H., Chris S., Darren W., Pamela F., and Daniel S. That's not Daniel Stern, by the way. That's it's a different Daniel S. And hey, I mean, it's not does he, It's not that he doesn't listen or like our stuff. That's just yeah. I'm, it's just not him right. this time. <laughs> Joe P., Daniel S., and Golly C. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Their generous donations, tax-deductible donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of movies and TV shows and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. I mentioned tax deductible because it's the end of the year. Some people want to make some tax deductible charitable donations and StarQuest is a 501c3 nonprofit. So you can uh, claim it on your taxes, consult your tax professional. So <laughs> that's it from us. We would love to hear what you think of Home Alone or anything we had to say about it. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash secrets or the StarQuest Facebook page or send an email to secrets at sqpn.com or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. Until next time, Andrew Hermes, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Home Alone. Thank you very much. It's been a fun conversation. <laughs> Mike Denz, thank you as well. I want to say keep the chains you filthy animal, but I don't know if that really fits. So <laughs> oh, that I won't say it. it fits for this. <laughs> it fits, it fits for fits. this. <laughs> and once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of movies and TV shows on StarQuest. And Merry Christmas, everyone. Hi, everyone. This is Dom Bettinelli, CEO of StarQuest, with a special message as we approach the Christmas season. This past year, the StarQuest Network has continued to expand our mission of exploring the intersection of faith and pop culture through our many entertaining and informative programs. Now we need your generous financial support to keep producing the shows you love and to reach new audiences with more of the life-changing and uplifting programming we've been creating for more than a decade. That's why it's very important that we hear from you this Advent and Christmas, the time when nonprofits receive most of their support for the year. If you are already a supporter of StarQuest, we thank you and ask you to prayerfully consider increasing your support at this time. If you're not yet a supporter, please become one now. Every gift counts. Could you give $15 or even just $10 per month? Whatever level of support you can offer, please show your support for SQPN this Christmas. And remember that your gifts are tax deductible. Just go to sqpn.com give. That's sqpn.com give. May God bless you this Advent and may you have a blessed Christmas season.